0: Hi, I'm Dr. Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. Our mission is to reach, teach, and baptize throughout the world, beginning in our community, fulfilling the Great Commission by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit until Jesus returns. That simply means we're here to reach irreligious people and turn them into lifelong devoted followers of Jesus, equip them for a place of service in the church, and send them out on a mission for Christ in the world. We're glad you're with us today. I command blessings on you and your family today. Come on, come on, let's sing a little bit more of that. They sure have a little bit more of it. and tell the Lord, thank you, that we can have everlasting life because of Christ, because of Christmas. Amen. Join me now in a moment of prayer. Father, we thank you now for the gift that you have blessed us with. Spiritual life, the new life that we have because of Christ. Thank you for the fellowship that we have with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And with one another. Thank you for this glorious day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you for this service of worship, the songs that have gone, the scriptures that have been read, the prayers that have been prayed to cover us. And now, Lord, we need a word to help us to live. Pray once again that you would lift again your human out of self. Fill us with the Holy Spirit. Speak to us and through us in this moment of sharing and bless now the words that are in our mouth and the meditations that are on our heart. With you there is a word. Without you there is no word. Bless us now, Lord. Speak it so clear, speak it so deep that none of us escape. Bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank God. Amen. Amen. I want to continue this morning with the gospel of John. We've been there for the last several weeks and we've been looking at the theme, who is Jesus? And we've answered as we have looked at the prologue in the first 18 verses of the gospel of John, chapter one. Today, we're going to look at chapter one, starting in verse 19. And We'll encompass the text all the way down to verse 37. It's a lengthy passage, but it's necessary to get at what we want to get to. So I'll just read a few of these verses in your hearing, and then we'll move into the description of it. And this is the record of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not. But confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Art thou Elias? And he said, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, no. Then said they unto him, who art thou? That we may give an answer to them that sent us. What sayest thou of thyself? He said, I am a voice. Of one crying in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord, as a prophet Esaias, as said the prophet Esaias. And they that were sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptize thou then, if thou be not the Christ, nor Elias, nor that prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize you with water. But there, one, there standeth one among you, whom ye know not. He it is, who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latchet I'm not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Bethlehem, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. This is the word of God for the people of God. I want to talk today about the, the first testimony. The first testimony concerning Jesus. Now, I think it, a, a, a testimony is, is really important. and I think it also it has to come from a credible source. Over the last few weeks, I've I've been watching, i Pay attention to the news, and you know one of my favorite people, <laughs> the former president. <laughs> in his trial in, in New York, they brought an expert witness and they paid him a million dollars to testify. He got on the stand and he did what they wanted him to do. They said that, oh, we find nothing wrong with these financial records. Everything is just like it should be. And He collected his money and went on his way. But the judge in that case said that the witness was not credible. So he, he discounted the testimony. Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter what people give you. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, your testimony is going to be weak. You're not going to be able to say things or do things to convince people that Jesus is real. Now we could we could look this morning at at the, the narrative from Luke and and we can see those witnesses. We could we could see the the, the the shepherd boys coming and and we could say they were credible. We we could say the wise men were, were credible. We can say Mary and Joseph. But what what did they witness? They they saw a child. But let's go beyond that. We have been talking about the eons of eternity. We have been talking about who Jesus is from a divine perspective. And so what we need to hear then is a witness who can testify as to the deity of who Jesus is. And that's exactly what we are looking at as we come to this passage for the morning. You would know that we have looked in the Gospel of John, the first 18 verses are known as a prologue. And in that prologue, John has laid out the declaration that Jesus is God and that he is the Son of God. He existed by himself. He existed, pre-existed with God separate personality, he was self-existent, John went on to say theologically that he was, he, was, he was the word, and the word became flesh, he was the very spokesperson of God, he was the light that is, he came into this dark world, this sin-cursed world, and he shined light everywhere, And in him was life, he is the source, he is the creator, the giver and maker and sustainer of our life. That's who Jesus is according to John in this prologue. And in these first 18 verses so he lays out the theological understanding of who Jesus is. Now as we move from verse 19 into the rest of the book, He is beginning to set us for the evidences, the proofs of people who can give testimony as to who this Jesus is. And his first witness today is the man John the Baptist. He first introduces John in verse 7. He says, verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. That was just to introduce us to who he would use. And then in verse 15, he names him again, John, bear witness of him and cried, saying, this is he of whom I spoke, that one coming after me that is preferred before me because he was before me. But starting in verse 19, he gives, he shows us John as John gives his testimony. But let me tell you what he's going to do. Let me give you an overview so you understand where I'm going. Now, he does it in uh, over three days. John has been ministering for months, but John the Apostle, So you got John A and John B. John A is John the apostle, the writer here. John B is John the baptizer. And that's whose testimony we're going to hear, John the Baptist's testimony. But John A chooses three days out of the life and ministry of John B to draw the testimony that he wants to present. Now, let's see what he has to say. Before we get into the testimony, let's know who John B. is. He's John the Baptist. And I said to you before, he's not called John the Baptist because he was a member of the Baptist church. He's called John the Baptist because baptizing was what he did. And they shortened it from John the Baptizer to just John the Baptist. But now, who is this guy, John the Baptist? He's one of the greatest men that ever lived that Jesus said. First and foremost, he was a prophet. He was, in, oh, he was the last of the Old Testament prophets, even though he lives in the New Testament. He was the last of the Old Testament prophets because there had been no word from God for more than 400 years. And everybody recognizes that John the Baptist, is a prophet from God. They know that that he was. He was respected and he was revered as the prophet from the Lord. So that makes him a credible witness. But that's not the only reason that he has a credibility to his witness. He had a miraculous birth. You know, John B. John the Baptist, mom and daddy was special. His daddy was Zacharias, the priest. So he comes from a priestly family. Priest had clout in the community of Israel all over. People respected priest because priests were going to bless people. Priests were going to. Offer the sacrifices on behalf of people. Priests were well respected in the community. And John comes from a priestly family. And he had a miraculous birth. Now, his mama was probably past 80. His daddy was past 80. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't hear too much of two 80-year-olds. You know, I mean, two old sticks can't make much fire and create some. But now I don't know about all of that, not to be able to produce a child. And and this child, John B., was prophesied by an angel. When Zechariah the father was at work in the temple offering the sacrifices that burning the incense, an angel showed up and said, your wife is going to have a child. And Zach said, oh no. Angel said, well, since you don't believe it, I'm going to shut your mouth so you can't say nothing until this child is born. And then he goes on to tell him this child is going to come in the spirit and power of Elijah. So, so, so look, at, look at this witness. I need you to see. I, I want you to see that he was a prophet, respected and revered as a prophet. He, he, he had a miraculous birth. He come from a priestly line. But not only that. But John B, John the Baptist lived apart, separate from the Jewish theological religious system. When John was born, once he was born Jesus was born about the same time. John was born six months earlier but he disappears from scripture and he goes into the wilderness and he becomes a nomadic Person. He eats whatever he can find, locusts and wild honey. He wasn't concerned about fashion fare. He wasn't concerned about being best dressed among the gentlemen of his day. He took whatever he could find, loins cloth, lion's cloth, and wore it. And he walked around, wow, uncivilized, as others would say. And, And so when People heard him start preaching. Everybody came to see him. Because they didn't know who he was. And, and, and what the text opens for us is the, the the testimony on day one. On day one, here comes people from the Sanhedrin Council, the Pharisees. Now, you got to know that Jerusalem was the center seat of Judaism. It was the seat of control and largely the Sanhedrin council, which was 70 men plus the high priest, made largely up of Pharisees, of Sadducees, should I say, who were the religious liberals of that day, and a few Pharisees and some High priest and priest, regular priest, and they sent a group of men out to the wilderness because John was the most popular man in town. everybody was coming out to John tens of thousands of people and they were coming out to hear this wild man preach the word of God now. Let me pause for a minute and help you understand that's a different type of witness than the one that was called in New York. This witness is credible because this witness was not for hire, this witness is legitimate. Because he had no association with those who wanted his testimony to be something other than what it came out to be. Are you following me? So you understand why John A. uses John B. Because John A. wants the most credible witness that he could find if he's going to have somebody to testify about who Jesus is. So John B is on the spot. So on the first day, here comes a group of Jews. Now, John uses the word the Jews in his book 70 times. And every time he uses the term the Jews, he's not using it in terms of of racial identity or ethnic identity. He's using it to distinguish who are the people that were the enemies of Jesus. And he refers to them as the Jews. So the Jews who control the religious establishment, they ran the temple, they ran the religious system, and they sent a group of people out to the wilderness to ask John some questions. And the first question was, who are you? That's a legitimate question. They wanted to know. There's been nobody out preaching. There's been no word from heaven for 400 years. Who are you? And, and to, what they were really implying are, is, are you the Christ? Are you Jesus? Are you the long-awaited Savior of the world? And John emphatically says, I am not. And so they wanted to know, well, who are you then? And they asked him another series, which shows that these were Pharisees because they would have been the ones interested in Old Testament history. And they asked him, are you uh, Elias? And and somebody would look at me now and say, well, why would they ask about Elijah? Because in the Old Testament, when the Bible closes in the book of Malachi, chapter 4, verse 5, it says that before the, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in that great day of judgment, Elijah would come. So they are asking, John, are you Elijah? You already said you're not the Christ. We want to know, are you then Elijah? And he said, no, I'm not Elijah. And they asked then, are you that prophet? What prophet would they be talking about? Moses in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 18 said to the people of Israel that God was going to raise up a prophet like unto himself. And they all understood that that would be the son of God. And so they are asking John B, are you then that prophet? And he denies and and says, no, I'm not that prophet. They wanna know, well then, who are you? And more importantly, what they are really implying is And what authority do you have being out here baptizing all of these folk? You have ticked off some high important people. You got tens of thousands of folk coming out here in this wilderness to be baptized and you're not the Christ. You're not Elijah. You're you're not that prophet. Then who are you and why are you out here doing what you do? And John says, I'm just a voice. Man, what a preacher. What a testimony. I'm coming, y'all. Just, just let, allow me to build this for you. I'm, I'm, I'm just a voice. I'm, I'm the fulfillment Of Elijah, in the sense that I'm coming in the Spirit and power of Elijah, there are going to be two comings. Just just for a side note, lay down this little bunt. There are going to be two comings of Elijah. The first coming was John the Baptist in the Spirit and power of Elijah. He had the boldness of the prophet. He was he was strong. He was uncompromising, like Elijah. But before Elijah, before Jesus comes back the second time, the real Elijah is going to show up. Because you do know that he did not die. That he was caught up in a whirlwind. He was caught up in a chariot of fire and carried back to heaven. And he's coming back again just to straighten the passage out so that you won't get lost. Are you with me? See, I know I got some Bible students here. And I know this going all over the nation, and other preachers be checking it out, man. They be checking it out, be checking it out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. So I gotta make sure it's straight now. All right. So, 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 John says, "I'm just a voice." See, that shows the humility of the man. If you're gonna be a witness. If you're going to give a testimony in your daily life about who Jesus is, you can't, it can't be about you. You can't be all high and fly and lift it up and want everybody to bow down to you as if you are the Christ. John knew that he was not the Christ. He was not going to let anybody put that on him He was an humble man. He was not trying to build a following. He was not trying to build anything. All he wanted to do was point people to who Jesus is. And I want you to hear what his message is. He said, y'all worried about me? I'm just a voice. I'm a voice of one in the wilderness like Isaiah chapter 40 has said, trying to get you straight. Trying to help you get your lives together. There's some crooked places in your life that need to be straightened. There's some rough places that need to be made plain. There's some lofty positions that need to be brought down. And there are some other things in your life that need to be cleaned up. That's the job of a preacher. John the Baptist was a legitimate witness. He had a right to give the testimony. And that's what I want to do is just help you get it together. Just a voice. Not nobody special. Not somebody from the west side, the south side, the east side. Don't bring the pedigrees. Just come just being a voice. Crying in the wilderness. Trying to get people live straight. Because, listen to what he say. What his testimony is, there's one who's coming after me. The latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to even lose. John was saying, I'm less than a slave. So it's not about me. Why are you sweating me? You're making a big deal over water. I'm just baptizing you with water. But there is one, listen to what he said, that's already here that you don't even know. May I tell you, that's the first message. He is here. And there are still people who don't even know. He is here. He's in the world. No, Jesus wasn't standing there that day, but he was already in the world. Listen at John's testimony. This is his first message. This is the testimony that there is one who is here that you don't even know. That one is the one you need to be more concerned about than who I am because that's the one who deals with your soul. That's the one who can change your life. That's the one who can make your life all brand new. And that's the message that preachers still need to give, that he is here, not as a babe in a Bethlehem. He is here as the savior of the world He is here. And many don't even know it. Many don't know him. When I look at the world today, I wonder how in the world are they going to come to know him? When I was a kid growing up, you came at least to know Jesus through one of three sources or a combination. You either learn something about Jesus at school when I was a kid, they had Sunday school credit on your report card, and you could learn Bible verses and songs at school. So at least you were introduced to Him. And if you really was from a godly family, you got Him at home, because your first prayers was now I lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord. If I I pray the Lord. Then we go into a litany, God bless mama, God bless daddy, God bless sister, brother. We were, what I'm saying, we were introduced to him at home. And we were introduced to him at school. And then those of us that went to church, we came to know him even more. Because most people who become Christians become Christians before the age of 17. How many know it's the truth? I won't ask you to raise your hand, but you know it's the truth that most people come to Christ before they're teenagers. Now, you look at the world today. They don't teach Jesus at school. Folk at home don't know him. And they don't come. So when and how are they going to know him? And the Bible says, how can they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear unless there be a preacher? That means somebody got to be giving testimony. somebody got to be saying, he is here. And you don't even know him, but you need to get to know him. That was John's first message on the first day. Now, the second day, the Bible says right down here, on the next day, all right, so it's a different group the next day. Now, while John is talking to the Pharisees and the deputation that came from the religious leaders in Jerusalem, the baptism of Jesus had occurred more than 40 days ago. You know, after Jesus was baptized, he was driven into the wilderness. John is going about his business preaching. Jesus has gone back up in the wilderness and gone somewhere. But now he's walking. 26 miles to come to where John is baptizing. And he's going to show up on day two. But day two, the religious leaders are gone. And so John is now speaking to a group of these tens of thousands of people who were coming out to be baptized. And while they were standing around waiting on their turn, Jesus himself showed up and John sees him and this time he knows who he is and he points to him and he says behold the Lamb of God. What is that message? Look at him. Look at his life. Look at his character. Look at this person who can really make a difference in your life and that's his message look at him you look that's the message of the preacher that's the message of christmas he is here look at him see him come to know who he is yeah i don't need to talk about mary and joseph i don't need to talk about donkeys and camels I need to point you to a grown savior, someone you really need to know. Are you following that? Listen, listen, and what his answer was shocking because he says to them, behold the what? The lamb of God. Now, that would have been shocking to all of those people. John called Jesus the lamb. Now, why you would have expected him to call him something else? It would have been all right if he said, Behold your king. Behold your conqueror. Behold your savior. Behold your whatever. But he called him a lamb. And they would go, what? A lamb because they understood. What you and I don't always understand is the imagery of the Old Testament. From from their childhood on, they knew the work of a lamb. They knew that lambs were stupid. They knew that lambs were impotent. Lambs couldn't fight nobody. Lambs couldn't whip nobody. A loud noise would scare a lamb. A lamb would jump into running water and would drown himself. A lamb just did not have it together. As a matter of fact, what they knew about lambs went all the way back to the days of Abraham. When Abraham took his son Isaac up on the mount and he was going to kill his son. And God from heaven said, don't do that boy no harm. And he looked around and he saw a what? A lamb caught in the thicket. And Abraham sacrificed The lamb, he killed the lamb so he wouldn't have to kill his son. Every day, every morning, every afternoon, the Jewish people knew about lambs. That lambs were destined to die as a substitute. But what they didn't understand, because they couldn't fit the pieces together, was that the lamb was a representative of a substitute but they didn't think they needed a substitute because they thought that they were all right. As long as they were going through the ritual of taking a lamb and having the lamb killed, they didn't think they needed to be forgiven of anything. But when John points him out and says, behold, the lamb of God, John understood what he was saying. Here, ladies and gentlemen, is the one who's going to go to the cross here ladies and gentlemen is the one who's going to end your need to continue to kill innocent animals aren't you glad that we don't have to have animal sacrifices anymore listen if we still had to have animal sacrifice this parking lot would be a mess Folk would be dragging bulls and goats and lambs up here. Come on, you gotta die. Reverend Wesley gotta kill you out of sin. Man, I'd have my own little stable of lambs and ram dragging behind me too. Do you are you hearing me? Aren't you glad that he is the lamb of God? But see, they knew nothing about that need for salvation. And I fear today that there are people who go to church every week. They look holified. They look dignified. They look sanctified. They got the right antics. They know when to throw their hands up. They know how to look pious, but don't know Jesus, don't know who he is, don't know what they need, think that they're all right and everybody else is messed up. People look down their noses down the road like what's wrong with you? You know, as if you don't have no issue, everybody in here got an issue. And it's not necessarily an issue of blood either. You got issues with yourself. You got issues with other people. You got issues on the inside. And you need a savior. You need a lamb, baby. But the message of Christmas is he is here. Look at him. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And not only is he the Lamb of God, he's also the Son of God. And that's John's message on day two to a different group of people. See, the religious leaders were not looking for a savior. They wasn't looking for a lamb. But these people that came to John for baptism at least were saying that we know we want to be cleansed. And so they were going through a form of self-baptism. There was no written record of any group of people who were holding baptisms the Jews the ancient Jews had a system of baptism for people who wanted to become proselyte for people who were gentiles who decided that they wanted to be under the God of Israel they would go out and they would dunk themselves as if saying I want my outside clean like I hope my inside will be once I become associated with the Jewish people. But John took it upon himself. And it wasn't that he took it upon himself. It was that he was commissioned by God. To go out and baptize because his testimony was he that sent me to baptize is the same one that said this is the lamb. See, I didn't know who Jesus was, even though my mama and his mama were cousins. And even though we may have been born about the same time, I went to the wilderness. He stayed in the carpenter's shop so we didn't hang out in the same frat. We didn't go to the same school he went to school I didn't go to nobody's school so John would say I didn't know him until the day of his baptism he showed up just like every other Jewish boy he didn't have no halo around his head he was very normal and the only identifying mark was that when I baptized him the father opened heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And, and the one that I saw the spirit descending upon. Now, don't misunderstand. The Holy Spirit is not a dove. So get all them doves out your house. That doesn't mean you got the Holy Spirit around just because you have doves. You could have had Canaries. You could have had pigeons. The point God was making was the Holy Spirit would descend on Christ and would remain on him. And John's testimony is, when I saw that, I knew who he was. So now here he is some 40 some days later and Jesus shows up and he knows who he is. So he introduces him. Look at him. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But I got one more to tell you. Because I want you to see the message. Christmas message. He's here, he's in the world. And many don't even know he's there. But those that will look at him, he's the Lamb of God. He's the one who takes away your sin. You don't take away your sin. You can't make yourself right. Jesus is the only one who makes us right. And then he gives the third message on the third day. And the third day is a different group. We go on down a little further. And John says the next day, again the next day, verse 35. Again the next day. After John stood and two of his disciples And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said to these two disciples, behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak and they followed him. That's the third message. Follow him. He's here. Look at him. Now follow him. See, the third message in his testimony was the next day, third day. And two of his disciples that was Andrew and John A. The apostle, but John doesn't name himself. All right. They are standing around John the Baptist and Jesus shows up for a second day in a row. And Jesus sees, John sees Jesus and he says to them again, here he is, the Lamb of God. And they follow Jesus. Watch this carefully. They follow him. And as they are following behind Jesus, Jesus stops and turns around and says, What you want? And they said, Where, Master, where do you live? In other words, they say, We don't want to just go with you for a little while. We, we, we want to be hooked up with you. We've heard the instruction from John. John has told us ain't no need of us hanging around him because he can't do us no good. He's done his job. Yes, He's introduced us to you. Amen. Now we got to follow you and follow you permanently. Yes, so where do you live? And Jesus said, come and see. And these boys followed Jesus. And there is no record that they ever turn back again. So what's the message of Christmas? That he, what is John's testimony? He is here in the world and many don't even know that he's here. See him for yourself in all of his saving attributes and understand that he is the only one that can save you from your sin. Now, turn from me and follow him permanently. Don't, 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 don't get in the preacher line. The preacher can't get you into heaven no more than to point you to who the savior is. The preacher can't save your soul. The preacher can only point you to who the Savior is. You know one of the things I learned as a parent and I'm done that you can only take your children so far. You can only protect them so much. You can only do for them certain things but what you can't do is make decisions for them no matter how bad you may want it, they still have got to choose for themselves. And that's what I know as a preacher. As bad as I want to see your life filled to the overflowing, I can't make you do it. No amount of persuading, not getting down on my knee, not hitting the split, not sweating and snotting, Not singing to the walls come down. Not making the lights shake. None of that will change it. You have got to hear the message. That Jesus is here. He is available to you. You have to be willing to look at him. Look at yourself and see that no one else can take away your sin but him and if you see it and if you hear it then my injunction is to follow him how many know that if you follow him you won't walk in darkness how many know if you follow him you won't stumble in all of your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path oh taste and see that the lord is good Is there anybody here that know that he's good, that he's merciful, that he's kind, that he's gracious, that he's all of that and then some. Who who are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about the Lamb of God. And what does he do as the Lamb of God? He takes away my sin. Takes away the sin of the world. So I just want to say, look at him see him today. Behold the Lamb of God and invite him to come in. You don't have to worry about where he lives. He knows where you live. And if you ask him to go with you, he'll go home with you today. And when it's time for him to call, then you'll go home and live with him forevermore. Doors open. Now be holy. Anytime doing this song, the you're here today. You can give God your heart. You can give one of Lord these your hands. Let's I begin
1: a relationship.
0: The of God. Come on, I want you to see him with your eye. He, is he, he, the precious?
1: The <laughs>
0: got a lamb instead. They may have wanted a conqueror, but the lamb was slain. The first time so that we can have a reigning king the second time. Hey friends, this is your friend again, Dr. Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. And I'm back again to talk about this book, We've introduced this book to you before, and we want to tell you a little bit more about it today. We want to talk today about the impact that materials can have. All of us are impacted by something. We're impacted by experiences. We're impacted by things that we have heard and seen and experienced in our life. And this book really shares a lot of the impact that has been made in my life through 48 years or 45 years of being married, 50 years of being with the same lady. And I tell you, when I first got married, there were a lot of things I just did not know. But over the years and over the times, I've gained tremendous insights. And I've written down those insights and made them available in this book. Friends, in addition to the book that we have been discussing, So You Want to Be Married, I've also been fortunate enough to share insight and impact through other books that we have written. The first book that we ever wrote was, When God Changes a Church, It Becomes the Church for the Unchurched. The second book is a very important book, Pathways to Church Growth, Reaching the Unchurched. And the third book, Everybody Deserves a Good Funeral. I've seen so many funerals, I've participated in quite a number, and there are mistakes sometimes that are made. This book gives great insight and comfort to those who are going through the process. And finally, the book that we're featuring today, So You Want to Be Married. Follow the prompts on the screen and find out how these impactful books may also impact your life. friends, this is Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. We really appreciate all of the love and support that you have shown to us through these broadcasts. We've been hearing from people and our friends all over, and we want you to pray about being a supporter and a prayer partner and a supporter of this television ministry. If you believe the Holy Spirit has ministered the Word of God to you and you'd like to see this ministry continue and to share it with your friends, please consider being a supporter. Follow the prompts on the screen. We would love to hear from you.